And welcome back to Made in the 80s, podcast about the 80s by people who were made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have... We have Tim. What's up? Hey, and this is Kendon. Hi, guys. Hopefully hey. you had a... Hey, hopefully you had a good Mother's Day weekend. Did you guys do anything special? I did not. <laughs> I did. Well, we did. Yeah, we had a few Zoom Zooms with our mom moms. No, that didn't really sound good, but whatever. <laughs> it works. It works. We did some group Zooms celebrating the moms in our life. Um, okay, so this week we decided to pull from Tim's quarantine challenge with a friend of his where he is watching rom-coms mm-hmm. back to back to back to back to back. And one of the points that you've made over this time is this idea that people fall in love in two weeks and change their whole lives for this other person. And um, how realistic is that? And so we are going back to the 80s uh, to a classic romantic comedy uh, where they didn't do that. Instead, they yeah. took years and years and years and years to get to that space and that's when harry met sally so mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a little bit i'll put the timestamp in the show notes for anybody who wants to join us there and and skip over this uh getting to know you catching up bit um where first we're going to start by going back to the 80s so kendon can you roll the die and see what color we're getting today roll to four cool what color this is an orange 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 is always this um that color it is my regular, but orange is also always a Stranger Things question. Uh, we're not good at those. Okay, what type of creature do the kids think Dart might be? Salamander, polywog, or larva? Polywog. Polywog. Polywog, right? Polywog. Good yeah. job, boys. You got that one. Do you guys want me to look for an actual 80s one? Yeah, sure. It's okay. In Rocky IV, what boxer fights his final and fatal fight against Russian boxer Ivan Draco? Kapalo Creed gets killed in an exhibition fight. How wild is it? Like, it's an exhibition. I didn't really know boxing in that, like when I was watching in like middle school or high school or watching this movie. But now at this age, that does seem kind of absurd, right? That they would let oh, an ex- <laughs> exhibition match murder somebody. I mean, but murder. he also wouldn't let them call the call it. Yeah, but somebody would have called. They wouldn't it. have like, gone that far. Yeah, because okay. they can call it like a TKO. They can t- call it with a TKO or any like other methods of not allowing somebody to be murdered in the ring. So this like is interesting. Six. We're gonna get Go into ahead. my. This is like we'll talk about this a little more oh, yeah. when we get to my what am I watching because it's exactly. So the concepts I'm going to mention. Here's one that you guys will also know, but it's fun. What did the main villain of Thundercats resemble? A vampire, a werewolf, a mummy, or a dinosaur? Um, a mummy? <laughs> His name was Mumra. His name was Mumra. <laughs> um, so the actor that, it, plays, that plays Ivan Drago, um, apparently he's in Mensa. He's a very intelligent person. Oh yeah, there's a great, the crazy story about him. That's um, what's his name? Um, I'm missing on his name. Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Crazy story about someone here robbed his house. Yeah. And he realized it was his house, and they stopped pictures of him, so they put all this stuff back. Yeah. No, he kind of is that great. And that we, guy. I want to do. If we don't do it before, then my birthday movie is probably going to be Masters of the Universe. Hmm. Yeah, I forgot he's in that. You forgot he's in that? <laughs> do, you, do you remember who plays uh, Skeletor? Yeah, it's such a crazy movie. Yeah, uh, who is it? It's um, 
Frank Langella. Frank Langella, that's what it is. And it's like one of his favorite roles ever. He says he he chose it because like his son or his grandson were really into these toys. And so he was yeah. like, sure, I'll do this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, I, feel like, I feel like that's a good reason to be in a movie. It's yeah. like when you have others who really care about it. Okay. So that's the 80s. Let's speed ahead to the 20s, 2020s, May 2020. What's the news? I have some really quick news. Uh, Disney Plus apparently is working on a Batman 2099. 2099 or 2029? Batman or Spider-Man? Spider-Man, you mean, right? Spider-Man. You're right. <laughs> I, I said Batman I'm literally just looking at the Batman Beyond. <laughs> um, yeah, they're working on a live-action show. You got the Batman, um, Batman Beyond Blu-ray? I do. I'm going to have to get that from you. <laughs> it's a fun show. So it's, it's a really. And they actually did they did a movie too. It's really great. Um, yeah, I like the Return of the Joker. Kind of. I thought that's it's what it's called. I th- I thought it was, called. it was called. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so they're doing a show with Disney Plus and apparently Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures are involved to be, to do a live action show, which would be interesting to see how they flush it out. Um, over a course of a show, but I think you know I've been I've been catching up. On, I've been rewatching the Flash, and I think they can do. Like the Flash is doing stuff on a CW budget where they're doing like Earth Two and all this other stuff, and so with a bigger budget with Disney Plus, I'm sure they can make it look cool. So I think I asked you guys this before. When was the last time there was a live action Spider Man TV show? That'd be the 70s, right? Yeah, I think in the 70s. Although, although to be fair, when when did the Japanese version happen? Because there was a the, Japanese the, Spider-Man who like drove a car and like did all this like odd things. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh god! Do you uh, remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Like, uh, so that maybe was after. Do you think it was maybe the eighties? Probably was. Oh my 80s. god! If it's the eighties, we should do it. We okay, I'm, I'm gonna be checking that out uh, while you guys talk. All right, so Spider-Man 2020, no, 2099. Listen, I'm. I just looked it up online. Spider-Man 2099. Um, it's a great Spider-Man. Great, he's got a nice little origin story. It's fun. If you if you've seen Into the Spider-Verse, at the end, the post-credit scene, that's the character. He's got the really cool blue and red suit. The other thing is, I've been watching the Jordan documentary, as you know, mm-hmm. watching. Dance. So the 30 for 30 series has three documentaries coming out over the next couple of months. One is called The Long Summer. It's about Sosa and McGuire. Mm. Her whole home run competition that was then sort of like mirrored in steroid scandal. <laughs> it was. It was totally steroid scandal. Oh, no. And everybody knew it. Like, oh. it, it was just like everybody knew it. There was like a bit of a denial, kind of a layer of denial. But otherwise, we were all like, oh, yeah, no, we're watching two of the most juiced up possible people. Like, just they, were, they, were, they were doing stuff like cutting away from other sporting events and sports center to these guys at bats. Like Sosa's up to bat and never bat, and I'd be like, "Yo!" So you you watch the NBA home run, you see McGuire hit home run. Um, the other one they're doing is called "Like Water" about Bruce Lee, which I'm very excited about. And then there's one about Lance Armstrong, which I'm sure is going to be scandalous because he's kind of a shitty person. Yeah. Hmm. 
So Armstrong's kind of a dick. Uh, so I'm excited for those three. So they're, if you like the ESPN style communities, they're coming up the next couple of months after the Jordan Doc. You know what's interesting is I'm not, I'm not huge on sports, but I've liked the 30 for 30s I've watched, particularly the, the XFL one, which you, you recommended to me a long time ago. Crazy. But the, there's a couple other. I can't, I can't recall off the top Have of my head. The, but there's the two Escobar? The two what? The two Escobars one? No. Oh, it's your kind of jam. Okay. It's about the team in Colombia, and one guy is Escobar, some, some Escobar. He played for the Colombia soccer team. The other Escobar is Pablo Escobar, and it's what? how their two worlds collide. Yeah, how their two worlds collide in narco football and, like, Narco football. Yeah, where, these, where like, essentially the drug dealers were laundering money through these football teams. So a lot of these big teams in Southern America were like run by drug dealers because that's how you launder your money. That makes so much sense. <laughs> makes so much sense. When they said it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you just love, like, I just, you know how some people just really like a good heist or something? I've yeah. really become appreciative of different ways of laundering money. Like every because time of you hear a new one, you're like, they all have Probably. similar aspects, right? It's got to be something where kind of the cash flow is a little soft. Oh, things can be yeah. done in cash. And it's all really confusing, but there's so many ways that people do this. Yeah. I would I would check that out. It's one of my favorites that they've done. It's one of the earlier ones, but it's super fascinating. And you know, it's it it takes place during the 80s and early 90s. You know, when we were kids, but all the stuff was happening around the world in South America and Colombia and sort of U.S. I, involvement and the war on drugs. It's all of that mixed into this football. It's and crazy. I, I assume this is all on Disney Plus, right? Um, it's on ESPN too. I think Disney Plus they might have it. We have Disney Plus. We don't have ESPN, so uh, hopefully it's it on be. Disney Plus. That because I want to check I'm gonna it out now while, while you're talking. Okay. Well, um, while you're talking, I'm going to make a pro- a proposal that we can vote on. Um, <laughs> the live action American Spider Man <laughs> television show had two seasons over 1977 to 1979. And the Japanese one had one season over 1978 to 1979. What do you guys think? No. Yes. We let. We have so so many other things to do. Why would we like stretch that direction? We did it for Alien. That's my main. But Alien is Alien. TV Spider Man. Like they didn't have more of those in the 80s to or like ever (laughs) until what's coming to like Alien's different. Anything that was like became a huge franchise like that is different. You go back to the beginning, but I don't. I don't think we need to do this. That's my vote. Yeah. I'm gonna watch. So it. he vote. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, we can just. <laughs> it doesn't have to be an episode, I guess. But I'm good. It's gonna come up at some point if I watch this. Thing. I'm definitely gonna watch it. Also, the 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 anime Spider Man was the best part of that movie. Of um, one of the best parts of. Spider-Verse. In the Spider-Verse? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Um, okay, any more news, Tim? That's it for me. I have a um, news item that's really quick, which is there's a game called Apples to Apples. There's another game that's like Apples to Apples for Adults, Cards Against Humanity, and it's basically like a not politically correct, offensive version of Apples to Apples. Rated R. Rated R uh, version. If not worse, because I learned a lot of stuff playing that game that I'd never heard of before. And I've watched a lot of Radar movies. Um, 
<laughs> but during quarantine, I played a lot of different games, like while I'm having, um, you know, time like this with Tim, where I can see you, but we're not necessarily in the same room. Uh, right. And so I've been looking for games and I miss Cards Against Humanity. And so just wanted to let all of our friends who may not know yet, there's an app game called Evil Apples. And it's basically Cards Against, I think they refer to it as Cards Against COVID. And it's free to download. It does have advertisements like midway, like through games. And mm -hmm. you can pay money to get advantages. So like, if I don't like my cards that I have, like my answer cards to play, I can um, discard one and get a new one for three coins. And I everyone starts with some coins. Um, and then if you win, you get more coins. And when you run out of coins, you can't discard any more cards until you win. Um, so there are incentives uh, for spending money in it. But for folks like me, you can have a lot of fun, don't have to spend any money, and you get to play with your friends. And so just FYI, that's out there. It's called Evil Apples. Evil Apples. Yep. Kitten, do you have any news? I do have news. First are some public service announcements. A couple of fun things that are, are coming up. Um, so Avatar The Last Airbender, one of our favorite shows that we've probably referenced several times. Um, and the first one that we binged when the quarantine started. We yeah. were like, let's do Avatar The Last Airbender. It's a cartoon from Nickelodeon. So it's going to be available on Netflix. It's coming to Netflix on May 15th. Yes. And so that, that'll allow a lot of people. I bet you the the popularity will will kind of shoot through like through the roof comp uh, compared to what it had been even now that it's on netflix because because that kind of happened with community yeah um and for friends who are not familiar with last airbender the avatar uh cartoon it is has nothing to do or not nothing to do what did i say it's not the same as the movie the movie is not good so if you didn't like the movie it's okay you might really like the show and um, I think this is all a lead up uh, to get people back acquainted, because, acquainted with it because Netflix is producing a live action adaptation, which will hopefully completely cover over <laughs> the bad taste left in everybody's mouth from the M. Night Shyamalan version. So excited. So, so, so excited for that. <laughs> and then I mentioned community earlier, but the other fun thing that's coming up is uh, the entire cast, including Donald Glover, are going to be doing a table read. Um, of an episode, I think it was. Uh, so one where they have to determine who killed Pierce. <laughs> is that is that the one you looked it up? The it's the polygraph the lie detector, one. Yeah. The lie detector one. Okay. I think so. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, because they're was all he in, in the episode. I don't know. Um, so, anyways, they're going to be doing that, and that's going to be on um, May eighteenth, and you can find it on Sony's community uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube page. So their YouTube page for the show community. It's a fundraiser, so I don't know if you have to pay to participate, but they're doing it as a fundraiser for like some kind of COVID-related thing. Yeah, COVID relief. Um, nice. In the Star Wars news, Boba Fett is apparently going to be in The Mandalorian. And they've cast him, and they've casted Tamura Morrison. Tamura. I can't say it. Why, why do I keep messing his name up? How, how do you say it? Oh, I would it? say Tamura. T-M. Tamura. Because he's, I believe he's, he's. Um, Tamura. T-E-M-U-E-R-A. I believe he's Maori, right? Tamura. Yeah, he's Polynesian. I don't know if he's Maori or Samoan. So he, uh, he played Django Fett in uh, Attack of the Clones. 
I'm excited. So I like playing him. his own son as an old man. <laughs> so, anyways, that's exciting. I liked. I liked. He was one of the better things of the of the um, the prequel trilogy, which we watched over. Uh, I think we watched over Christmas break, and we were like, if you look at it in a different context, it's actually really fun, like a radio drama or something like that. I actually kind of want to watch Attack of the Clones again. The whole trilogy. No, no, just Attack of the Clones and maybe uh, then um, the Revenge of the Sith. I think uh, Phantom Menace is too much for me to watch. Like, other than the, the, <laughs> the Duel of the Fates fight, right? Actually, it's kind of funny. Growing up when I watched Star Wars movies, I watched them so, so much that I started to edit them myself. So I would fast forward through certain parts and I would watch mm. all three of the movies shortened down to like three and a half hours or something like that. Yeah. And I think yeah. that might They're be the way... Long. Go ahead. They were long movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, but I'm just realizing you cut a lot of stuff from um, uh, The Phantom Menace. Yeah, for sure. And just start the story when he's already older, really. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. yeah wouldn't that be more interesting than um, having to learn about Immaculate Conception? I'm, I thought the kid stuff would have been cool, but they kind of didn't do much with it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Just make a teenager and we can move on. <laughs> anyway, I will say I got stuff out of the Phantom Menace. I think it's because I didn't really pay attention the first time around. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm like, okay, he's building droids. He's building these things. Like, I thought that some of that was interesting this time around. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to watch it again soon. <laughs> okay. So Any other news from either of you? All right, let's get into updates. What are you guys thinking about reading, singing, watching? What you watching? Or do you guys uh, want me to start? You should start. Should I start? Um, set the tone. Set the tone. Okay, the tone is UFC is back. So I watched UFC number 249, and it had mm -hmm. a um, co-title events, uh, and this happened Saturday night. It was really funny because we're still um, – very social distancing and so there were no crowds in the stands it was just right. um you know the announcers the judges the ref there's definitely like press people there like with cameras and stuff and then the um athletes in there and their teams um and then what's the girl who like carries a card and girl. yeah we she's there too um and most people were wearing masks, um, except for some specific people like fighters, ref, uh, Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, My new favorite. Yeah. So um, the the two the co-main events uh, was he Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz, which was kind of exciting because Dominic Cruz hasn't hadn't fought since 2016. He had had like a whole bunch of injuries and having mm -hmm. to go through. Um, healing and rehab and stuff so um he got to challenge and did not succeed uh and then the other co-main event was co-main event was tony ferguson versus justin gauchi 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 um and that was fun um so anyway it was nice to have usc back i was glad that they were um socially distancing and being responsible but it was also kind of comical because a lot of the things that they would do they 
we're doing it without a crowd. So like, yeah. you know, the announcers are being super loud and like, and now for the main event, da, 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 da. Like, it's like, but who are, why are you yelling? Nobody, nobody, you don't have to yell. I think you do. You have to keep that same energy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, like, okay. So Sehudo, when he, I think it was him who, when he was coming out, um, he takes off his hat and he throws it into the crowd. And it was funny. Mm -hmm. I had two thoughts. One was like, if there's a crowd there, that would be irresponsible because you shouldn't be taking headgear off and throwing it into a crowd of people. Like that is one way to expose people to your germs. And then I'm like, but there's not a crowd there. So now you're just being an asshole because somebody's going to have to walk back there and pick it up because there's nobody yeah. back there. <laughs> Probably an unpaid intern or something. Probably. So it was fun uh, to watch. I'm, I'm happy to have it back. I think there's some ladies fighting and, um, the 250 which is coming up later this week so um, yeah didn't they they had to do this uh they had to do wrestlemania with no crowd as well yeah wrestlemania no crowd they're even thinking about bringing back the english premier league with like no crowds mm -hmm. wow and it's just i i know how much crowd interaction both in performative sort of sport like uh like wrestling whatever you want to consider sure. it but you know even hyper competitive like soccer and all of that I know just that, that that crowd interaction really does change the course of some games of it. You know, that reminds me. So like one of the fights on Saturday, I was really wondering, I think Kendon, you were wondering too, like how is the lack of a crowd impacting the results of this fight? Because like one of them was like, this guy was just getting beat and beat and beat and beat and they're going all five rounds. Like they're still going. And it's like, how is this guy taking all of this? He's still standing. He's still rolling. He's like somebody um, watching what called him the zombie king. Like it just, it was going on and on and on. And it made me think of um, Rocky fighting Ivan Drago, which is kind of funny. <laughs> that was the card that we had today because like that was one of those where he turned the crowd. Like Rocky just kept taking it, taking it, taking it. And like the crowd was like, oh my gosh, how is this happening? You know what? How like he turned it, the crowd got behind him. It was like this huge thing. Um, and I'm just wondering if something like that had happened during the fight that we were just watching where like, you've got a crowd being like, you're still going, come on, come on, come on. You can do it. Like, would that have changed, changed the energy, distracted the other person? Like, how would that have impacted the outcome? You know, I think, um, th when I was watching it, I felt like the guy who was getting beat up more was also the one who was taking more chances, who was more actively pushing. He was on the offense more than the other guy. So I guess it, he means he, he got caught more often because maybe he was overextending. But like we were, you were talking about, if people are watching him like taking all this beating, but he's, he's actually trying, he was more interesting than the guy who ended up winning. So I could see like getting some backing from the crowd, like helping power him towards... You know, I completely agree. And I'm realizing while we were watching it, it was, that's I was when I was him. cheering, yeah, I was but cheering I was like him. actually cheering out loud at points like, oh man, like making these like, and if I had been in a crowd, I would have been even more of that. Um, so yeah. But it's, it's so really default, like when you watch sports to turn it into a narrative almost in your head, immediately you've got good guy, bad guy, or, <laughs> you know, my team, your team, or just something of that type. And, and that's how like you, 
just immediately be like, these are the guys I want to win for whatever reason. Until you find out one of them is a DV perpetrator and then you oh, decide Hardy? for the what, other person. What was person. the guy named Greg Hardy? Greg Hardy, yeah. He also fought and he was a, uh, in a, a former NFL player. And so it was like, oh, he's American because he was, he was fighting against somebody who wasn't. She's like, I'm going to cheer for him. But then we're like, um, he got suspended from the uh, NFL for domestic violence. <laughs> she was like, yeah. uh. I guess I'll yeah. go for the Cameroon. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. What are you guys doing? Um, so I have one primary thing, and that's we have been watching together um, what we do in. Hey, Kendon, what do you do in the shadows? I watch what do you do in the shadows? What we do in the shadows. <laughs> if you let me turn the lights off. Usually, she wants all the lights on when we watch TV. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that is a genuine <laughs> laugh. That's a good one. That was a very genuine laugh. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. Got it. You got it. I got it. <laughs> okay. Um, what you do in the shadows is hilarious. So we're probably gonna laugh again. Um, it is a movie about, well, no, it was, it's based on a movie. Um, and that movie starred um, uh, Taika Waititi and a couple of other familiar people whose names are escaping me right now. It's about some housemates that are all vampires, vampires of different types. So you've got kind of the, the dandy vampire from like the 1800s or something. And you've got the really like gross hook nose Nosferatu from like 800 years ago. And then you've got, one of them was a glitter. Did he glitter? There was one that was kind of like a twilight. Anyway, so these guys all like share a house in um, New Zealand. Um, and they just, it's just kind of a mockumentary, goofy, like really funny. So to translate it into to America, um, it's now on Staten Island. And you actually, they, there are some uh, cameos by people from the previous movie. But this is a new group of vampires. So I think of it more like the real world. Like the movie was like one cast and like now we have a Staten Island edition. And so it's not like they're redoing it or rebooting it. It's just the same story in a, another location with some roommates that this time you know are in Staten like? Island. You know, it's kind of like, you remember American Crime Story, which we really, was it American, American Vandal? Yeah, mockumentary. Yeah, another mockumentary where it's just like, you know this this was popular so now we're gonna go and see what it's like going on in, in america so it's three new it, it's three to four new zombies four new zombies ah not zombies uh Vampire. vampires um of different uh personalities one of them is uh played by uh, is it matt berry i always forget his name well anyways he's a really great actor um from the it crowd and also showed up in a great episode of community where he taught grifting 101 um He's one of the main vampires. And one of the really funny things that they've added to this is what they call an energy vampire. Best part. <laughs> so funny. Uh, so uh, from last podcast on the left, I think, Tim, you're also familiar with energy vampires. And they're basically people who sap you of your energy by either like really boring you like at work or something, just talking your ear off or an even more advanced version being somebody who always has a sad story or is just emotionally draining. And what's, he's really funny because he's the only, first of all, you don't know if he's supernatural, really. He just seems like a regular boring guy, but they say he's the only type of vampire that can suck the energy from another vampire. 
Um, or feed off of another vampire. Yeah. Um, and so you see him like feed at work. Um, and sometimes he'll turn around to the camera and his eyes will light up. But I think one of my favorite parts was when they all need to go to the, st- the city council. That's one of the plot lines. They go to the city council meeting. Um, and he, before he goes up to speak, the energy vampire, he says to the other vampires, okay, I'm about to do a mass feeding. And he goes up there and talks like his entire 15 or however many minutes about zoning regulations. And you can, by the end of it, you can see like everybody's just like sapped, like drooping or whatever. <laughs> and he, he's got his evil eyes. It's like, yes, I've, I've strained you all. Anyways, it's, he's really funny. There's a lot of funny uh, circumstances in this in the show it's brilliant because it's so true like one of his coworkers, like he stops starts talking and like the coworker is physically like sh- like <laughs> their head is getting lower and lower and they just can't sit up they're just like i can't and like it just reminds me of so many instances of being around people where i'm just so tired and i'm like you're tiring me out by yeah. talking right now so, so it's, good. it's good i would highly recommend the movie and the show you do not have to watch them in any particular order but um, it's just so freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then one um, thing that is a um, up, not update, but like upcoming, um, we or I've ordered about four Miyazaki movies. All of these an- animated movies, um, the ones that take that uh, were released in the eighties. So um, my cousin Totoro. My, my cousin Totoro. <laughs> it's my neighbor Totoro. Kiki's Delivery Service, Nasuga and the Valley of the Wind, and um, one movie that we've already done, which is Castle in the Sky. So uh, once I, we get around to watching all of those and hopefully do some shows on them, I'll allow myself to get the, the ones from the 90s because the other, only other one that I had seen of his was uh, Princess Mononoke. Um, and I really like that was a badass movie. I thought you saw the garden one. With the, like, the Garden of Arietti, uh, I think, was a Studio Ghibli movie, but not a Miyazaki movie. Got it. So kind of like Pixar has like an A team and a B team. Although I'm not saying the uh, the Studio Ghibli B team is bad. There's not the, the Pixar A-team. B team doesn't really have a very strong reputation, if I understand correctly. Okay, cool. Tim, what are you up to? Uh, not much. You know, obviously watching my random movies this week. Uh, I watched Something Borrowed. I watched what's the other one? Something Borrowed, The Uninvited, which is a creepy kind of scary movie. Um, and I watched Friends with Kids. So that, those were my movies this week. Right they, on. They were interesting, to say the least. That is the one-off. That's like a weird, scary movie. The other two were uh, very much in the vein of When the Harry Met Sally. He kind of in the vein Kind of yeah. not, but I don't know. Do you want to talk about them a little bit more? You said what? I said, do you want to talk about them a little bit more? Or do you want to... Later on, later on we start discussing the movie for sure. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so I watched those and what did I watch? I feel like I watched something else that was super interesting. Well, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Rick and Morty is back. So I watched Rick and Morty. How is it? It's you ever watched the show? It's really Oh, yeah. Funny. Yeah, but how's the new season or the mid-season, right? Mid-season, it's good. It's been really good, really good. So I'm I'm starting Insecure this week, so I'm gonna start watching Insecure. Mm-hmm. We saw the first episode of that and have not gotten to the second two yet, but we're excited. Cool. All right. Well, you guys ready to talk about our movie for the week? Yep. Yep. I guess so. 
Okay, when Harry met Sally. Men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him too. So Tim, let's start by who made this movie? Who's in it? Who was behind the camera? It is a Rob Reiner film. It was made in 1989 and stars Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, Carrie Fisher, Bruno Kirby, Stephen Ford, Lisa Jane Persky. And Michelle McCrasher, where would know her from? Um, yeah. Tim. Tim, where do we know Rob Reiner from, from our podcast? Two years earlier, The Princess Bride, one of my favorite movies ever. Also Billy Crystal. Yeah. In fact, he he sounds he does a little voice in this movie at some point and sounds like sounds a bit like Miracle Max. A bit a bit like Miracle Max. So also did you mention Rob Reiner's mom? Not yet. Son of the cast. Okay. She's in the pivotal scene. She's in there too. Um so when Harry Met Sally, it's literally a story of it shows us it begins with us seeing them meet right and so they're two kids who just graduated from college and they're both headed to new york um to live uh meg ryan's gonna be going to school and for journalism journalism school yeah yep. so they carpool so they're strangers and they carpool to new york together their tie is that one of meg ryan's friends um is dating billy crystal so we start by um being introduced to Billy Crystal, making out with his girlfriend, saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And Meg Ryan being like, Mer, get in the car, let's go. <laughs> A little bit. Um, and they have this 18-hour uh, drive together, so they get to know each other. And then the story picks up five years later where they run into each other again because they're both on the same airplane, headed somewhere, and so they connect again. Um, and then the fa fast forward five years later again, uh, they are both they were both in the relationships when they saw each other the time before. Now five five years fast forward, they're both ending those same relationships, and so they've both been in long term relationships that are now ending. They chance run into each other again, and this time they become become friends. Um, and the the like obvious question of the movie that they have out there. Um, that they d like bring up from the very beginning in the first um, meeting is whether uh, guys and girls can be friends. Mm -hmm. And they say no, because there's always a level of attraction slash wanting to sleep with each other, or at least one person wanting to sleep with the other person that gets in the way of true friendship. Right. So they are like, we can't be friends, so we won't be friends. And that similar thing happens when they meet the second time. They had made an amendment originally, or Billy Crystal tried to, and saying, but they're both involved with someone, so the possibility of having sex is off the table, so it's not, um, it, it's okay. And then he talks himself out of it, and is like, yeah, no, still impossible for men and women to be friends. Um, and then third time's a charm, they actually become friends. And they're pretty good friends for, it seemed like a little over a year, maybe a little longer, until yeah. they sleep together. And that ruins everything because they just both respond really badly afterwards about how awkward it was. They both had, they both value that experience in different ways that doesn't match up. Yeah. 
I think that's right. And they don't talk about it. Um, yeah, they don't talk it out. Uh, so they have strain on the relationship until Billy Crystal runs to her at midnight on New Year's Eve in New York City and says, I want to spend the rest of my life with you because I love you. And I want to start that now. And she's happy because she loves him too. And they kiss and then they get married. So that's their happily ever after. Um, And then also throughout the movie, you have these um, clips of, (laughs) I was going to say clips of old people, clips of, um, yeah, (laughs) clips of couples who have been married for a lot of years. So like, I think one was like 34 years. I think maybe one was 50 years. And them just talking about the first time they met or how they got together and reciting that. And so that's like sprinkled all the way through um, the movie. So that's the plot. You're welcome. Pretty quick. Not too bad, right? Not bad. Not bad. You're good at this. Maybe you should do all of them. (laughs) Um, All right. Where should we begin? We'll say that, that the couples in the film are actors reenacting stories that couples told Rob Reiner. Yeah. How true they are. Which is interesting. The reenactment. Which is interesting to me because I thought they were real. They were convincing enough to me that I thought they were real. They were good actors. I I assumed they were actors, but I always thought that the stories were fairly real. So what they're saying before. what this had reminded me of was Band of Brothers and the Pacific. So I think that's what I had in my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, these are like war stories. Well, for the fun of it, I have this book that Kenan and I got when we got married from a friend of ours. Um, and it's A Love That Lasts, Inspiring Insights from Couples Married 50 Years and Beyond. And it's cute, like old couple sitting on a bench together. It's very cute. So randomly, I'm going to pick a page. Manage conflict. Don't let it manage you. And it's um, by Georgia and Andrew. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the, Georgia and Andrew Brennan, who were married for over 50 years, they got married in 1957, and they tell you to manage your conflict. Don't let it manage you. That seems like good advice. Good advice. Yeah. Next time you're a conflicted, Kendon, I'm going to remind you that you may be letting your conflict manage you instead of um, you managing it. I think that counts as good advice if you explain it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Otherwise, sure this, it's just kind of a statement. I'm sure this story, there's like a story and then the advice. Yeah. And so I'm sure the story explains it, but I don't feel like reading the whole thing right now. Understand. I was saying before that like, had this movie come out after the real world and Survivor became shows, we'd probably get real couples in the movie. Doing the professional. I think at the time that the idea of having real people, the idea that audiences would respond to real people telling their stories was something that didn't exist in 89. Like people would actually like that. But now now you would get a real story. You get a real couple telling their story. Well, think about, okay, so yeah, you've got like reality, like real world uh, survivor as kind of like those original reality shows. But like, think about like um, The Voice or any of these like current, um reality shows where it's like they do backstories on everybody like you're there forged in fire (laughs) no not them as much but like yeah you're here to sing but we're gonna follow you home to hear all about everything your whole story lost his legs because of diabetes and while you're singing for him we're gonna Mm -hmm. get all All of it so yeah i think you're right this would be this would absolutely be real people now Okay, can we talk about, should we talk about the question 
can men and women be friends? What do you guys think? Can they? Absolutely. Um, only if the desire for sex is taken out from both of them. I don't know if that's true. I, I, I think. Oh, wait, go ahead. Ahead. Well, friends have to. Be- say, go ahead. I think as we age, what we want in a friendship is different than what we wanted when we were 19. I think the things you need from your friends change as you get older, right? You might need something different. You might need someone who's a good travel buddy. You might need someone who you can hang out with. And I think the, the more you grow, the more you mature, you realize there is true value in having friendships with people from the opposite sex that have nothing to do with sexual desire, sexual conquest, sexual energy. Just the fact that I have a friend of an opposite sex that I can call on to give me a different perspective on whatever I'm going through in life. Uh, and I think the more life experiences you have, the more you value them, right? I'm friends with my, all of my friends' wives and girlfriends. Um, and you value those things. But I think, to be fair, I grew up with a twin sister, so I was always kind of used to having that. So it wasn't odd to me to have, like, a female friend. So I always had a friend growing up. That's a really good point. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds, that sounds like, I don't know how to say it. Like something from a movie. I always had a friend growing up. Like, I mean, but I it's a though. good point. Yeah. It's a good point because like how many cousins are you friends with and like who are of the opposite sex and it's fine. Um, and it's not that obviously you're not going to have sex with your cousins. <laughs> it's not that. But, like, but in terms of the relationship, you still get something out of those relationships. And so it's why not with somebody who's not part of your family, wouldn't, would you not have a, a similar relationship with someone like that. But, but me and my sister, same age, same same schools, same same classes, same friend groups. You know what I mean? For most of our life, so it, it wasn't that, like we were far apart. We were doing the same things all of the time. Isn't that an example of just you guys use two family examples? So, okay. No, he, I think he's saying that's one reason why he's able to. Because that translates in over to non-family relationships. Not even able to. I think that's probably why I look at it differently. Yeah. I've always had it, but I've never looked at it like. You guys are giving very mature answers. I also think it's different depending on the person. I think there are probably some people who, yeah, there's no way they could actually be friends with somebody of the opposite sex or of the sex that. Well, I don't know how if you are like homosexual, how that works. Like, I think you have to be able to have friends that you that are of the like gender that you're interested in as well so but like in terms of like heterosexual men and women i just think there's some who like absolutely there's no way you could um Mm -hmm. and then i think there are others who absolutely they can i think that like tim and i were met in the workplace and i think that's another kind of reason why i think these relationships are are there's no question to me that that can happen is like there are so many men in my workplace that like that's never because we've met in a space where that's not something that you even think about that like like you were saying Tim like what do you get out of the relationships and that's what 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 you focus on Mm -hmm. Um, and I wonder if maybe some of this is a little bit through a 2020 lens because in the 80s like you know women weren't in the workplace as much or when they were they were there was definitely like sexualized interactions there Um, a lot of objectifying women and you know you've got to dress like this and wear this and this is how you succeed Mm -hmm. 
But I think when, when I think about the types of relationships and the types of friendships and the types of support I would have missed out on if we weren't friends. Like no one has like loved me, supported me, encouraged me, listened to me, you know, called me out more than my female friends. Yeah, no female one, friends will do that. <laughs> no one has done that. I mean, it's everything from like support for ideas, advice, and dating. Like, no one's done that more than them. And I think of like the kind of missteps I would have made and the kind of things I would have missed out on had I not genuinely poured love into that relationship that wasn't me trying to hook up with them. And I think that's where it comes from. You're pouring real, honest to God love into this relationship as a true friendship. I always believe like what's for you is for you and you're not going to miss your person if that's your person. So if you're pouring into this friendship and it's a true friendship, that may be how you meet your person. And that woman may not be it or that man might not be it. They may be the key to you meeting your person. But if you're genuine about your approach and genuine with how you approach them, I think there's a lot of beautiful things that come out of those relationships. I think you're right. Kendon, what do you think? I think you guys convinced me. Oh, look at that. You were going to say no? I don't know. I thought he made some good arguments, but I think you guys reasoned it through better. Thanks. Um, okay. Let's talk about the characters. So we've got Meg Ryan, who starts, well, she's pretty uptight. She's like a very detailed-oriented person, particular. She's annoying. And she's, she's annoying. annoying. I can't send her either. T- Kendon, did you, what were your feelings on her? Yeah, I mean, she seemed a bit artificial in that way, like kind of amped up a bit, but yeah. Yeah, that's... I was like, what are you doing? I was like, from the beginning, like, I, I, from the, like, first impressions, when when Shalia met Sally, she was like, why are you interrupting your friend from saying goodbye to her boyfriend, who she's not going to see for a while, because he's going to New York, like, they're saying goodbye to each other, and she's, like, honking the horn and, like, irritated. And it's like, okay, come on. And then, but like, first thing off the bat, she's like, how is this going to be fair? Who's driving this much amount of time? And she's all like rigid about like, it has to be fair when it's like, or just like get to know the person and you guys could both drive based on who's tired or who needs to go to the bathroom. Like, she's like, there's a map up here. And like, I thought she was going to say, and I've, I've, I've ticked off all of the places where we can like go to the bathroom take uh fill gas or like you know just to show like she's a planner but that's not what she does it's not like it's the here's where we can switch driving so that it's fair that you don't take any advantage of me to be driving more than you and i was just like get out of here (laughs) go on a road trip with selena and see if you can uh drive equal amounts Shalia will start falling asleep. She's like, oh, I got to pull to the side of the road and take a nap. They're like, we're trying to get somewhere and we have eight hours like, of driving to do. So no, this basically means I have to drive. So Shalia, I'm not surprised that you fall down on that side of the argument. So Tim, I don't know if you know this about me, but like in the daytime, I can't drive for more than 40 minutes without falling asleep. 40? Yeah. Like, yeah no, I can't make super, it to Olympia. It's a super short period of time. Like, what is it? I have to, like, guzzling caffeine. Harbor. 
Jim I have Carver to like only pause and get caffeine or like I sleep um, like just to get to like, you know, the capital, um, right? So from, from uh, to get to the capital, I would have to pull over at, oh God, is it Martin Road? It's like exit 109 versus 105, which is the capital. I pull over at exit 109 and sleep in the Burger King co- parking lot. <laughs> like just get a power what? nap and get back on the whoa, road whoa, whoa, and make it the rest of the way to the You have the five, capital. you have four exits left and you can't make it. Can't another- keep my eyes open. It's dangerous. I have gotten in an accident while fa- like driving and falling asleep before. So I really don't like to force myself. Yeah, I totaled my Land Cruiser back in um, high school. So like, oh, I really fuck. don't like to force myself when I'm like overly tired because it has happened. But like, it's still insane that I get that tired that quickly, so and I, I don't just, know why. <laughs> I just want everybody to know the background before you know agreeing with Shalia's position <laughs> on fair and equitable division of driving on long trips. I'm willing to drive. We just have to know that I might need a pa- I mean, might need to pull over for me to take a quick nap. So I, I, in my head, it's a math. It's a, I do this math problem. I'm like, well. I just need to drive more so we can get there, like in the same amount of time. Like stopping every every forty minutes and taking a nap, that makes the that makes it much a longer trip. I anyway. make it so trip. after my first nap, I usually don't need more than maybe <laughs> one more to make it. Like I could take, I could get to Spokane with no more than two naps, um, and like I usually have like energy drinks on the way, so like they start to kick in. Um. But yeah, anyway, I just, people who are so like, I don't know, just assuming people are going to take advantage of them in a way that they have to, I don't know. It just, it's very defensive without any information for you being defensive. Like nothing's happened to this point. You yeah. have these, these walls up. She immediately comes in with like these things that she wants to control the situation for. And you don't know the type of person you're dealing with. Are we assuming and it's also this unkind. the first time they met? Yeah, because it's when Harry met Sally. Um, but uh, or maybe they met before and Harry just doesn't remember. I just um, I, 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 I don't want to assume that neither of them have some significant information about. In fact, in the car ride, they find out that they already have information. So I wouldn't say like that she doesn't have necessarily a reason to assume that he would not treat her fair. What? Well, why wouldn't she just offer to drive more? Like also, maybe like she needs a nap why, after exactly three hours. Well, then why does she say that? So, by the way, just so you know, I'm starting the first run. So that means that we're going to have to stop in about forty minutes because I'm going to need a nap, and I'm happy to do more shifts than you. Just know that mine are going to be shorter. I mean, because that's too much yeah. for the movie. She's already quirky enough. Already, She's already quirky She's enough. Quirky Add that enough. on top of the diner scene. And nobody's going to believe this is a real person until they meet you. Until they meet me. Um, okay. So the, it's also interesting because during the car ride, so they talk about love and what they believe in terms of relationships. And one of the things they talk about is Casablanca and how the choice at the end of that movie is to go with your, your husband or fiance. I think their husband. Fiance. I think yes. they're married. Yeah, I think so. Well, okay, I'm just going to reason. It's an old movie, so they might not want to be like, you're going to leave your husband. It might make more sense that they're fiancé, and I think that's what they say. I'm pretty sure they're married, but okay. So anyway, this person who will be your husband, if isn't currently, um, or Henry Bogard, who runs a bar. And I thought it was a really interesting 
take that Meg Ryan had of like, you're going to go with the stable one who can get you further in society versus a guy who just gave you the best sex of your life and runs a bar. Um, Billy Crystal. I don't actually know if Billy Crystal had an opinion. His, this was a whole lot of like judging and observing her versus mm-hmm. asserting other opinions and some of this stuff. And so like his was an observation that like, she just must not have had good sex. Right. Um, and that Tim, I'm wondering that whole uh, falling in love in two weeks and changing her whole life. Like maybe you just haven't fallen in that kind of love <laughs> to be like, yep, let's, let's change everything after two weeks. There's so much that goes along with it. I know. You're right. It was a husband. We were right. They were married. Um, so, you know, so what I was watching, like, you know, what's that movie? Um, Friends with Kids borrows from this where Adam Scott and his friend who has a kid with her are always playing this game. Would you rather die of this or that? Or would you rather have this or that? And that's sort of reminds me of the questioning about Gone with the Wind, which is this, this philosophical idea of like, what do you choose? What does it say about a person? Casablanca or Gone with the Wind? Casablanca. But this idea that like, what what you choose says something about you. So they borrowed that from that. They borrowed two friends who get together and try to have this emotional, this, they try to have a kid without having emotional connection. And here in they try to have sex without, without emotional connection. And they're both sort of in the same way where they realize that this is my person, this is who I want to be with. So yeah, these movies I've been watching have all kind of pulled from this insane 1989 film. Would you say that this was influential? Oh, very much so. <laughs> for, for most of the films I've been watching, they've all had little pieces that they sort of picked from it. When well, you talk so- about cultural influence, like there's at least one, if not two, definitely one scene from this that gets into those, you know, those compilations that they play like at award yeah. shows or like something about a decade or just like to to be like encapsulate several scenes that that are movies or whatever the dine the diner scene um the later diner scene where she's faking an orgasm is just like yeah, one of the most true. influential sort of scenes i think as at least as far as leaving a mark i don't know how many copycats there have been there's the there's the what she's doing and then there's also the line right that rob reiner's mom says and like yeah. what Billy up Chris- in com- uh, commercials and stuff yeah after like that. billy crystal's um you know, looks at her and like, we're all told like, okay, she made her point. Yes. Women can fake an orgasm without you knowing that they're faking it. Um, and it's just such a good line that, uh, I'll, I'll have what she's having. Like it's, it's just well-played. It's, it's so well-played. Perfect. Mike drop the mic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you mentioned the herbal essence. Yeah. Um, yeah. where she was like, yeah, so funny. Good commercials. Tim, question for you. Can, sure. I see, can I see that cup that you were just drinking from? Oh, it's got Thor on it. Oh, for a second, I thought it was one of our wedding cups. It's definitely a comic book cup. I, yeah, I noticed it too. Yeah. <laughs> Kim was drinking out of a comic book cup the other day too. And I was like, hey, we have those at home. Or I guess here, because I'm always home, because that's where I live now. Or spaceship you. Spaceship you. Spaceship, spaceship us. Um, 
Let's talk about Carrie Fisher because you, uh, Tim, were talking about the influence in something borrowed. And there's this question about fidelity. And Carrie Fisher, when we're introduced to her, she is cheating. No, she is dating a guy who's married. And for, for a few scenes after that, every time we see her, she's talking about another reason why she thinks he's not going to actually leave his wife to be with her, to be in an mm-hmm. actual couple relationship. And yeah. watching it, she's right every time. Like, it's so obvious. It's like, what, $1,600 or $16,000 on a dining room table? He's never going to leave his wife. They just bought furniture. And like, furniture all of her together. friends. Yeah. All of her friends are like, yeah, no, he's not going to leave his wife. Oh, no, I know, I know. And then like two scenes later, he bought a nightgown for $150 for his wife. Oh, he's never going to leave his wife. And they're like, yeah, no, he's not going to. And I just think it's so interesting, like seeing that perspective of friends who are like basically repeating the same advice over and over and over, knowing that they're not going to listen and that they're not necessarily going to take it. But one of these times, it may be the time that they hear it and they don't talk shit about him, right? Like I think Meg Ryan's character at one point, she was just like, if I ever meet him, (laughs) this will happen. Like they haven't ever met him. Um, It's just a like matter of fact, like, nope. And when I'm waiting for her to get to the right space, which turned out to be finding a relationship that was better for her. You know, I'm thinking about it and uh, just a little, I think it's a little more nuanced. It's definitely, he's not going to leave his wife for you. Because there are like all these, like you can think of a lot of scenarios where he ends up leaving his wife. And then it's like, I don't, that wouldn't work out because he didn't leave for her. So it's like, oh, we can get together now because I left her for some other reason that didn't have to do with you. So I think it's a little deeper even than that. So let's, let's follow that point. Cause that's another thing of Meg Ryan's relationship. So she says, she's like, she's the stable one of like, her and Billy Crystal both going through long-term relationships ending. She is the like very healthy one. And everyone keeps saying you're very healthy. And her reasoning is that they wanted different things. She yes. wanted a family. They had always said they weren't going to get married. It was kind of funny. They were like, we're not going to get married because we can go off to Paris on a, or London on, on a whim and have sex on the kitchen floor. And I'm like, it seems like kids are the thing that ruins that. Cause it's like, you have to then have money for them. And then they're around. Like it doesn't, I think you could be married without kids and do all of those things that you're talking about. But anyway, they kind of tie marriage and kids together. Um, but yeah, so like that was always the thing of their relationship. She just, she realizes she actually wants a family. She wants to have kids, mm-hmm. goes and tells him he doesn't. So that's why they split. So then fast forward to the night her and Billy Crystal end up having sex. It's because she's so devastated and crying because turns out he's going to get married. And I called it, right? Kenan, as soon as it happened, I'm like, what she's upset about is that he didn't want to get married to her. Like by him doing the action that he wouldn't do with her, she's taking that as something that he didn't want to do with her versus the thing that he didn't want to do. And I think it's really interesting because one of my aunties would tell me how her perspective was men, no, women get married based on the man. Men get married based on the time like when they're ready. And she would use the example in one year span, one year, two years, she got proposed to four times. And every every single one of those guys was married within a few years, like within a year of being engaged to or being proposed to, they were married because they were ready. Um, And so like, it's so interesting because like 
in this situation, Joe wasn't ready. It doesn't mean that if like she had waited three years, he wouldn't be ready with her. Or maybe he never would have been ready with her. Maybe it is something about that relationship. Maybe he just wasn't ready. And now he is. And Like that relationship is preventing him from growing to be ready. It could be. (laughs) <laughs> like or Kenan was like, or maybe she just wasn't patient enough to like let him get there. I mean, I don't think you can come home and just say, "I." Turns out, I do want kids, and then like, in one sitting, hash that out. So I don't know how how many conversations and how much process. Well, well, minute, that goes back to something borrowed, where John Krasinski's character is telling her consistently, like, all this talk he's doing, all these cute dates and the sex, he's still with, he's still engaged, he's mm-hmm. still going to get, mm-hmm. he's still married. Like, despite the fact that he's doing all these wonderful things for you, he's never called off his engagement. You have to make him make a choice. He's got to make a choice. If he's not going to make a choice, then you got to move on. But you you can't sit idle hoping for him to do something that he, he hasn't shown you. He's done with some blind faith. That he's going to, like, end this long engagement with his longtime girlfriend to be with you if he hasn't done that. Especially and when the long-term... He does it. It ends where he does it. He First he says no. And then she cries, and then they end up, he ends up calling off the engagement, and it ends up being this whole messy. You saw it. You've seen it, right? You've seen something borrowed. I used to love that movie. It's so I, – I, I was always kind of worried. It's kind of a guilty pleasure. I'm like, nobody can know because it's so terrible. It's like anti-everything I care about. Um, but how could they be friends afterwards? Like, how could they, – they'd have to leave New – one of those couples would have to leave New York City. One of them. Either – what's their <laughs> face? The cute guy and the girl, or uh, what's her, who's the, uh, why am I spacing on her name? The mean girl in it. One of the one of those two would have to move to another state. I don't there's think so. No, there's no they, way that works. There's, they don't have the same. Entire, they can't have the same friend group, but they can. I mean, New York's a big place. You could totally go years and years and years, like we've seen in Her and Her and Sally, without running into each other. So I think it's fine, but they can't be friends. They can't Hello. be the same friend. They make the opposite point in When Harry Met Sally because they run into his uh, ex-wife at that Sharper Image store. And he's like, ah, in a city of four million people, of course you run into your ex. Why you're being really silly. (laughs) Yeah, which actually he should have owned. Because first of all, uh, the woman he's with is beautiful, like easily a match for his ex-wife. And also he's having a good time. So like if he just sat there and was like i'm having a good time which means my life is good and just kind of pretend that you're with this woman <laughs> like I, I don't think he has anything to be embarrassed about yeah there doesn't definitely... mean doesn't mean that those feelings aren't like real i mean i'm kind of yeah. minimizing the the actual feelings of being yeah. for all that time but like if you just looked at it from from the window you'd be like hey he's mm-hmm. doing well he looks like he's happy mm-hmm. all right uh, let's see. Other things that we should talk about. Favorite things. Or can we talk about favorite things? Yeah. We can. Okay. So this is not my very favorite thing, but it's one of my favorite things, which is the whole scene right after this moment that Kenny was just talking about, where Carrie Fisher and Billy Crystal's best friend are moving in together. And they're fighting about whether to keep this it's really awesome table. This piece of furniture. <laughs> and I loved it so much because it's like, well, let me just say that the writing in this is amazing. Like, I just think that they hit on so many great points with strong dialogue or monologues 
that that resonate with me at the very least. And so Billy Crystal talking about like, whenever you get divorced, cause like right now he's in the mindset that you're going to get divorced. And it's like, you're going to be fighting over these stupid thing that like you didn't both want. And you know, what I really liked was the, the math of like this plate that they got at just some, some department store and the amount of lawyer time. <laughs> like, like when he put those two numbers out, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The stuff that you're fighting over. Um, he's like, write your name in your books now. Um, and uh, anyway, so like, that's a great scene. But the thing that I love is the punchline of Carrie Fisher saying, I promise you, I will never want that coffee table. <laughs> and I love that so much. I feel like this movie is really good at like taking heavy, like heartfelt subjects or like intense moments and then like lightening it right up to then like go to the next thing. Yeah. And I think that's what really that's strong, really It's really strong yeah. tension and release, which is yeah. exactly what also happens in the diner with the sex with the um, orgasm scene. Build that tension, build that tension because the they really do a good job looking at like as she's doing it, the face is like the expression on um Billy Crystal's face is just like really tense or he's like what is going on and then they release it like Mm-hmm. <laughs> like an orgasm <laughs> and then i waited for you to finish <laughs> i didn't know i didn't know if That's i wanted to go said. all the way oh yeah but i'm gonna go there i'm gonna go there <laughs> tim what were you gonna say about it i was gonna say that it is one of the things that i did appreciate about the film is it is very a heavy sort of dialogue driven film having watched a bunch of these rom-coms over the last month and, and some change a lot of them try to have these very quick moments. They're trying to create a moment. Like, you know, here's a scenario where something, something wonky happens. Here's a scenario where something funny happens, where I felt like when Harry Mansadi was mature in the way it approached these conversations and like stuck to the dialogue and putting people in real situations. And I think that's why the movie is effective. I agree. You know, one of my favorite things is something that's not in this, which is a wedding scene in which the wedding gets interrupted and then stopped. Oh. <laughs> Kenan hates it so, hate so much. much. He's just like, especially after. First. I always disliked it. And then we planned a wedding. <laughs> like, Bitch, you better say something earlier than this. Um, you know what's. <laughs> somebody said you know, you, you, it. Like, you haven't had to pay for the food yet. <laughs> somebody said it. Uh, you can watch weddings get interrupted. Um, it better be worth it. But. Kind of, didn't we see it recently where someone was like, I got to tell you now. Oh, it was um, Peggy, uh, Agent Carter. So, you, oh, Tim, yeah. you know how we're watching Agent Carter. One of them is like, she's, uh, spoiler alert for friends, I think this is five years old, but it might not be. One of the episodes, she's engaged. And her brother is like, it's their engagement party. And her brother's like, this guy isn't, this isn't you. Like, this isn't consistent. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> But like, it's not you. It's not, you're, you're making decisions that aren't consistent with, I know you better than anybody as your sibling who grew up with you. And this isn't connect. And she's just like, this is my engagement party. And he's like, yeah, I'm telling you now before the wedding. <laughs> and Kendon like applauded out loud. Like, yeah. yes, say something now. You know, you know what makes me cringe? Like in all seriousness, it, it, I, every time I see these, I cringe so bad. Our failed proposals. Mm. I can't even watch. It is like, I watched one at, I saw one, I think I saw one at a basketball game at center court. 
she just was shaking her head no the whole time and they kind of just walked off the court. I saw one at a mall where this dude did this whole thing and some like one of her favorite spots in the mall got on one knee and she was like, no. Like those things just ugh. Don't you have I don't to get say it. yes if That's it's in, pu- in public? Exactly. And I've always said that. And Kenan ended up being like the only guy who like might have ever proposed, but like I was always very clear. Like if I have a public engagement proposal i'm going to say yes like as soon as we get in the car i'm going to tell you no or i'm not sure or whatever but i'm not going to embarrass you in front of everybody like i'm going to say yes remind me to tell you something we were done recording that i had a very similar conversation with one of my friends recently so here's the here's the question right is it is it worst for for you to have like i guess as the proposer to have that dropping feeling as it's happening or get the elation right you're going like up to the top of the of the yeah. roller coaster and then drop even further i'll give you the answer the answer is it's worse to be denied in public especially because you're gonna have to watch that shit over and over and over because everything is recorded uh, uh, everything don't, recorded. don't push the prize in front of me and then like take the money back <laughs> don't do that oh wait what I, I used to i was reading this book called the big con they were saying i do a con people they would get them in these con games. And one of the cons was like this horse racing con. But how they would get people to bet more is like, they would make you think you won and it would, we're literally pushing money towards you. And then someone would come interrupt them and they'd be like, oh no, you didn't win. And they would pull the money back right in front of your face. And you, you're on the hook then. Cause you, you've seen the cash. You've seen it, you could taste it and then they pull it back. That's how they oh got. man, there's some real interesting psycholo- like uh, psycho- psychological analysis about like why gains and losses make you feel the way that you do, or yeah. a lack of loss yeah. versus how do I say a lack of a gain versus a, like a full loss. Like the, the your brain, how do I say, processes things that are mathematically equal in different in, in different ways if it's thought of as a loss i remember yeah. in psych class uh like in college there was like i think it was a mice experiment and it would just be like they will hit that button knowing that they're gonna get shocked every once in a while just in case they get some cheese because they know they can get some cheese yeah. versus just not Shalia, like, you like cheese how many times would you allow yourself to be shocked to get some cheese what kind of cheese is it yeah, no, no, whatever cheese you want. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I just know that mice will. Don't have me crying in my brunch outfit for you to say no on the way home. Just tell me no. <laughs> no, not me. in front of everybody. But also, but there, I is, there as, is a difference here, it looks like. As, as the guy, you've got to know what you're, you've got to know. Like, don't, on some desperate, like, last Hail Mary attempt, Try to propose to somebody and you're not you don't know where she stands don't do any of that that's how you end up in this bad situation not you should know your partner well enough to know if she likes a public engagement proposal what kind of what kind of ring she likes you should know all of these things before you even attempt to buy a ring you realize how like that's a relatively recent thing that i've heard a lot more people at least it becomes it's become normal that i think maybe because cohabitation has become way more normal and it's like, hey, we're not going to get married till we've really talked about it. And there's, there's some country, it might be Sweden, it's one of the Scandinavian countries where like the age, the average age of marriage is pushed so far back because people, they live their lives as a couple. And then they say it's almost like getting married is a celebration of a long-term relationship. 
in the at this point of in their culture at this point i mean we're 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 all kids from like a generation of divorce like we all live through if it's not us it's someone we know someone is it all three of us Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah yeah so i think we're very conscious about like yeah i'm not trying that i don't want to go through that kind of thing again but the one thing i hate i don't hate a lot of things one thing i do hate are prom proposals from these high school kids Mm -hmm. Why are you proposing? Why are you doing a prom proposal? Just ask her to prom, G. Like, actually, hey, I kind of like the idea of a prom proposal if you know if you know that they don't actually get around to going through with the marriage. No, like, like as a, a as that. a movie scene, I think a prom proposal is like a fun like scene or thing to see. Wait, are you talking about like proposing at prom, or are you no. talking about those like big would you go to prom with me? Those big when you go to prom with me things. Oh, okay. I was I was surprised that this was a thing, but I was I was like, I'm with it. I'm with it. Just propose to her at prom. Okay, you're 18, whatever. Just don't go through with it. But yeah, that's, like, that's like a big <laughs> yeah, like 1950, really. Yeah. That's actually what I was thinking because in my head, even though I'm like, oh, I know you're talking about modern kids, in my head I was thinking of the what is it under the sea dance from Back to the Future? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that sort of environment. That's it. It was the dance. Because, because what were you going to do after you graduated? It has been a thing, though. Like, you get knocked out. I'd say over the, what, like the last 15 years, it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, but I'd say about, well, yeah, about 10 years ago, I was hearing about it from like high school kids, like these big prom proposals. And it is, it's getting kind of, I don't know, whatever. It's an Instagram culture. Like, For sure. Just ask her, let her say yes, and go to prom and have a good time. Or don't, because nobody gets to go to prom anymore. I know. Um, okay. Well, so I was, I was going to say real quick, I heard about this recently somewhere, but in Texas, I don't know the term of it, and I'm not going to look it up right now, but they have these like boutonniere slash um, corsage things that are enormous. Yeah, yeah, it's in what Texas. What is that called? Same, so it's funny, the same person who was telling me about those big prom engagements, like at least 10 years ago yeah. was also showing me these huge flowers. They're paper flowers and it's like a that culture. they make and it's huge. It's like a, a weird like cultural thing down there that you're saving up your money as like a high school student. So you can give her the best like giant flower arrangement. Oh, like yeah, that she definitely. wears to it. It's a, there's a term My dad for was it too. Unless he was from Texas. <laughs> yeah. They're like paper and they're big. Oh, real quick before we move on, uh, uh, rest in peace to Little Richard and uh, Andre Harrell. Um, when did it, Little Richard happen? This weekend. Hmm. Really? And it reminded me, because you mentioned my dad, I had a whole conversation. So my dad's memory has been bad. He's got early onset dementia. So talking to him about recent stuff can be kind of iffy, you know, mm-hmm. where he's at. But if I talk to him about something that happened in 1958, which I realized this weekend, he remembers in detail. Like we were talking about him seeing Little Richard at a club in 1958 and James Brown and like how everybody knew Little Richard was gay but don't want to say anything and how beautiful Eddie James was. So he's telling me this crazy story about trying to open for Little Richard but ended up opening for Sam Cooke with his singing group. I never knew any of this, the Sam Cooke stuff. So he told me all this stuff and I was like blown away that he had all this sort of like his memory just sort of came back and he was sort of just firing off all these crazy details, the name of the club and his friends there. Like, 
to him recall all of that was like, I got emotional listening to him because I could hear how excited he was to be telling this crazy story. Wow. Yeah, yeah he was talking about how great Little Rich, how Little Rich was one of the best performers he had ever seen. Him and James Brown both, he said, were incredible. Incredible. And, and he was saying at the time in, the, in 58, like, you couldn't go to a bunch of clubs. You went to black clubs. Like, you couldn't necessarily go and perform at all these white clubs. So you were seeing, so in these communities, you were seeing these people. You would see these mega stars show up at these clubs to perform. You know, the one funny Man. thing I, I like about, or I find interesting about that period is like you said, like the, you couldn't go to a white clubs or whatever, but for some reason in England, they actually ended up like appreciating a lot more of that music um, yeah. and it influenced the whole British invasion bands. The Beatles and Mick Jagger and all those guys. Yeah. yeah. They loved it. They like ate that stuff up. Which is why, isn't it like Elvis? Elvis is based on like black bands too, yeah. right? My dad, kind of popping my dad hates Elvis. <laughs> like, my dad absolutely cannot stand Elvis. I just remembered like something about Beatlemania and how that was it the monkeys one of like yeah. the bands that came out later was like Elvis and and the government like promoting this American band to try to like take like I don't know take some to of the thunder the, from the Beatles yeah you know I just thought about it from um what do you call it um Forrest Gump don't they yeah. don't they try to tend <laughs> It seems almost like they're covering over the fact that Elvis got his dance moves from black people. Everything. Instead, they act. They act like. Uh, I mean, it's kind of silly, but but that he learned it from Forrest Gump instead. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Only <laughs> one of his dance moves did he learn from Forrest Gump. But Elvis. Elvis I mean, that was like the famous one, right? Yeah. Elvis stole everything from black creators. That's why. That's why there was never an Elvis album in my house. None of never. My dad. My parents love music. Never an Elvis. Anyone who stole music. My parents didn't rock with it. Especially my dad. He hated it. I appreciate that. The I Elvis versus that. Michael Jackson epic rap battles is pretty great. I don't know if my like where my parents came out on it, but we did not have Elvis. Like I learned most of my Elvis songs from Lilo and Stitch. Because for some reason... I learned it just from, from just music history in, in school. That was it. Hmm. Never heard Never had an album. Never listened to it. Okay, well, getting us back on track. So my actual favorite thing about the movie When Harry Met Sally is the change in these two characters' perspectives as they get older and how they kind of mature and become a little bit more open-minded. And it's very clear. I mean, it's nice in a movie where they can just deliver this to you directly where it's like Meg Ryan and she's like, I would never say that. No, no, I don't think that. I would never say that. And like, we know that she did because we just saw the scene where she said it. Um, And so I really like- I really liked how they, um, yeah, how they did that, how they had these two characters grow and change their perspectives over time. Uh, my favorite thing is definitely Billy Crystal's performance. He's really uh, charismatic, fun yeah. to watch. And in my mind, he's not like the typical romantic comedy beau. Like, I think he's not. He's not like. There's two types of romantic comedies, though. There's the quirky guy ones as well. Yeah, and, and that's I the think thing. he fits in. I think he fits in the "you come to love me" sort of uh, romantic comedy instead of the uh, "like you're instantly together" sort. Well, and one of the things I really liked about him, uh, his like kind of growing up and getting older, is like 
he is he seems like a better man after he got married like he's much mm-hmm. more supportive and caring and like checking in he's um, not this like snappy witty kind of assholey guy is the beginning of the movie yeah yeah so i like i appreciated the way he matured for sure tim what was your favorite thing probably the time jump like i liked that it allowed them to be different characters whenever they jump time i'm always a fan of like different sort of like film structured differently and i liked it like there would be jumps and they weren't holding the viewer's hand like you could put two and two together as you watch this sort of where these people are at in their lives uh, moonlight does that um uh, memento does it a bit where you're like wait where are we at right now what because you know it fits memento because he's he has a memory loss so Everyone is lost. He doesn't know where he's at. You don't know where he's at. One of the best movies ever. You know what's interesting? You bring up Moonlight. Moonlight pulls it off in the opposite way this one does because Shalia said it, and I'll say it kind of in a different way, I think. But um, they're convincing at multiple ages because they are they are playing multiple ages, and and like they come off as, as um, realistic um, in each one of those. But then in in Moonlight, you had to get three different actors to play the same character. And not even a not even a real life character that they can model off of a fictional right. character. So it's three becoming one versus one becoming like three. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it also reminds me. So last week we did Ghost, which was 1990. So these two movies are only a year apart, but they seem very different to me in that this movie seems a lot older. And partially, it's got to be because it starts in 1977 and spans all of this time. Um, but like, so yeah, like as I'm watching them kind of move through this time period, their styles do change and, and yeah. things change a lot, but it's not as obvious to me. I'm still like early eighties on this one versus ghost was very end of the eighties early, like moving into the nineties, um, style in some ways. Like I forget cause they're both in New York and they don't seem the same at all to me. Right. One other yeah. thing. Oh, go ahead, Tim. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, please. Um, one other thing that is not my favorite thing, but I really appreciate it, and Kendon, I think you appreciated it too, which was when they're on the same air flight or airplane, um, and Billy Crystal's behind, he's like trying to guess, like University of Chicago, not quite yeah. sure. And the guy sitting next to Meg Ryan is like, Do you guys want to sit together? She's like, No, he's like, Yeah. And <laughs> and what did you say? Like <laughs> Good wingman, good wingman. Yeah, good wingman. Like that was really cool that, that guy offered. Like, would you guys like to sit next to each other? Like, thank you for like picking up on that and just offering. That also, cool. that guy doesn't nice. want doesn't want him leaning over his shoulder all flight. No, all flight. I do not want that. I go in my seat too. Fair, fair. Um, okay, anything else you guys want to talk about with when Harry met Sally? No. That's it for me. Okay, well, let's go ahead and rate it then. When Harry met Sally, is it a classic or are we past it? Classic. The classic. A classic, for sure. Um, really, really good movie. And yeah, glad we did it. Okay, so now it's time to work out, instead of our hearts, our bodies. So preparation for our next episode, friends, we are going to do Richard Simmons, the 1980s through present um, fitness fitness guru. So um, one of the ways that we're going to prepare for the episode is by watching his uh, the 80s version, not the other volumes, the 80s version of Sweatin' to the Oldies. Um, Richard Simmons right now has... 
Richard Simmons has uh, workouts on his YouTube channel during COVID. He's he started up uploading workouts. So lots of his workouts are on on the YouTube channel right now. You can watch any of them. But if you want to do some of the same ones that we're doing, which is sweating to the oldies, do those. We could have done there's like a blast off to the 80s, but it's like happened in the aughts, then it's like retro to the 80s. We're not doing that one. We're doing the 80s version, which was sweating to the oldies. Um, so that's what we're gonna do and prepare for for our Richard Simmons episode. And hopefully we'll have a guest uh, joining us. And yeah, so that's the way to prepare for Richard Simmons. Next week, when, Kendon, what will we be? We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs>